a while ago, three friends and I decided to climb the nearest 10,000-foot mountain. And it's a mountain called Round Top. And we decided to climb it in the snow. We got into shape, we ate right, and we trained. Well, at least they did. Um, and the morning that we started out, I was tired, so I, I had a bunch of coffee. And as soon as we got out and were putting our snowshoes on, I started to feel weird. I was sweating a lot and moving slow. And pretty soon, my friends were pretty far ahead of me. I remember I stopped sweating at a certain point. And then I must have started passing out because I would wake up with my face in the snow, but I don't remember ever falling or tripping. And just so you know, and can avoid the same situation, when you stop sweating, that's a sign of dehydration. And when you're at 8,000 feet or higher, you can get altitude sickness really easily. And when you're in freezing cold weather and snow's on the ground, it's really easy to get hypothermia. And those three all work together nicely to make you lose consciousness or become delirious. And that's exactly what happened to me. I was really tired and really delirious. So I thought it would be a good idea to take a nap in the snow. And then I thought when I rested up, I could go and catch up to my friends. Now that's not a good idea. Uh, that's a really bad idea. But I started to take off my jacket, my sweater, and my, really, my friends were really far ahead of me at this point. I remember I saw them pass behind a grove of trees and I couldn't see them anymore. And then I stripped down to my t-shirt and my shorts. And I started to make a pillow out of snow so that I could take a nap. I remember next being shaken awake by one of my friends, Brian, who had come back for me. He helped me put my jacket and snowshoes back on. He talked calmly to me. When in my crazy delirium, I argued that I didn't need his help. I was fine alone and sleeping in the snow was actually a good idea. Well, he listened patiently and then he carried my backpack all the way to camp and he set up my tent so I could sleep. Now my two other friends, they didn't come back for me. They didn't even slow down for me. Now I knew both of them since elementary school. I grew up around the corner from them. I was actually the best man in one of their weddings. But only Brian came back to save me. Now, Brian's a good friend. Brian's the kind of friend that's good to have around. Do you have a friend like Brian who'd come back for you? Would you go back for your friend? See, I don't know. I don't think we value friends as much as God does. I mean, we like our friends. We spend time with our friends. But I think Jesus thinks about friends differently than we do. Jesus definitely would have come back for me because Jesus has a high value on friendship. He actually spoke about it quite a bit. And in this new series, we're gonna look at friendship as described by Jesus. We'll look at what Jesus told us to do as friends and what Jesus actually did as the best friend that we could ever have. And we're gonna see that to God, friendship is a very big deal. And we'll also see how dangerous it is for us when we don't see friends the same way. So let's start by looking at Ecclesiastes chapter four. So we'll start with verse nine. The writer says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. 
But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. See, God shows us there's a bond to friendship. He tells us that. There's a commitment there. There's a partnership involved in and serving and caring for each other. Now, maybe you've been to a bunch of weddings, but I've done a bunch of weddings lately where we've, I've seen people use that passage because when we read it now, it looks more like a marriage vow than any kind of commitment that we make to our friends. But I don't think that's how God sees it. I think God has an incredibly high value on friendship. We've just lost that value over time. Look at Proverbs 27.10. The writer says, Do not forsake your friend or a friend of your family, and don't go to your relative's house when disaster strikes. Better a neighbor or friend nearby than a relative far away. See, there's a, a promise to friendship, a commitment. We're supposed to be there when our friends need us. We're supposed to care for friends when a disaster strikes. Proverbs literally says, stay close to your friends and rely on them rather than a relative far away. And this is where we see we've lost the value of friends. We feel more self-reliant and independent now. Back then, you knew you were dependent on friends and neighbors, and you appreciated that. But we don't value connection and dependency anymore. We value independence and self-reliance. Do you know the story of David and Jonathan? Well, you know David. He was the king of Israel, the greatest king. But before he was king, he was just a shepherd boy. And then he killed Goliath. And then King Saul makes David an aide in his royal court. Saul's son Jonathan at that point becomes friends with David. And Jonathan actually takes off his own robe and armor and gives them to David to show he's laying down his privilege and position just for David. And they make a covenant with each other, a promise to be each other's friend. Later on, David becomes a general in the army. And David is so successful that King Saul gets jealous. And the more successful David gets, the more jealous King Saul gets. He's paranoid of David, taking his throne. And so he tries to kill David. But Jonathan warns David, and David escapes. He goes into hiding. While David is hiding from Saul, Jonathan meets with David. He tells him what's going on. He protects him. Jonathan defends David to King Saul, his own dad. He risks his life for him. And then Jonathan tells David, you got to get out of here. It's not safe. Go far away. Leave the country. They get together and they cry and weep and they remind each other of how they committed, they promised to be friends. Well, later on, Saul takes his army and goes hunting for David to kill him. For years, Saul hunts for David to kill him. But Jonathan continues to protect and warn David risking his own life over and over. Eventually, while David is still hiding from King Saul, the Philistines attack and kill Saul and Jonathan. And when David hears about Jonathan's death, he writes a lament, a sad poem or a sad song, and David makes everyone learn it. And the end of this song says this in 2 Samuel chapter 1. He says, How the mighty have fallen in battle. Jonathan lies slain on your heights. I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother. You were very dear to me. Your love for me was wonderful, more wonderful than that of women. 
how the mighty have fallen. The weapons of war have perished. This is an amazing example of friendship. Jonathan gave up the favor of his father, King Saul, gave up his chance to be king. He risked his life because he was David's friend. Today, we read David say, your love for me was wonderful, more wonderful than that of women. And we think, was there romance there? We think that because the importance of friendship has fallen so far. The value of friends has depreciated so much that it's hard for us to understand that statement any other way. But see, my friend Brian's love for me saved my life. I think that was wonderful. The Bible holds the friendship of David and Jonathan up as an example because God sees friendship just bigger than we do. Look at what Jesus says in John 15, verse 12. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Look at that. Jesus is saying that he's our friend. The creator and sustainer of the universe is our friend. And for Jesus, friendship is the picture, the example of what our relationship with him and each other is supposed to look like. Now, when we talk about friends, we don't talk about life and death. We talk about how much do we like the person? Do they make me laugh? Do they talk too much? Are they a Warriors fan? Are they a Giants fan? Not a Dodgers fan. We got to draw the line somewhere. But we don't think about our friends the way Jesus does. Look at how good a friend Jesus is to us. In the Gospel of John, Jesus talks about being our friend. And then Jesus describes how he acts towards us and thinks about us as our friend. And there's one part in the Gospel of John where Jesus describes himself as the good shepherd. And when we read it, it's Jesus telling us how he's going to be a good friend to us. Jesus says in this that he is the good shepherd. And then in John 10, he says, I laid down my life for the sheep. And laying down his life isn't just a one-time thing. It's taking care of the sheep. It's doing what's best for them, all the way to sacrificing, sacrificing his own life for the sheep. And when you look at the Greek root of lay down, it's the word tithemi, which means to place, to lay, to set. So in the same way that God the Father placed Jesus into our lives, we're placed into our friends' lives to care and serve and love them. That's God's plan. That's the promise of being friends. Now, sometimes that promise is spoken out loud like Jonathan and David did, but sometimes it isn't spoken out loud, but it's still there. So right now you can't see him, but Jordan is right over there behind the camera and he's the producer of all our online stuff. He makes sure the lights are on and they're pointed at the right place, that the sound works, that I sound good, that I look good. Um, and that everything goes smoothly and he edits all the videos. Now, Jordan and I are friends, but if we're hiking in the forest and a bear comes after us, <laughs> I'm tripping him and running away. I, I have to. He's faster and younger than me. Now, don't feel too bad. Uh, the bear's still probably gonna come after me because I'm like a sweaty lasagna to the bear and Jordan, because he's so thin, is like a salad without salad dressing or croutons. Now, Jesus says in that situation, Adrian, don't trip Jordan so that a bear can eat him. In fact, Jesus says, do the opposite. 
Lay your life down for your friend. Actively do good for your friend. Sacrifice for your friend because there's a promise in friendship to do good. And Jesus doesn't just talk about friendship. He shows it in his life and death for us, his friends. And then Jesus tells us, commands us, his followers, do the same. Look at John 15, 12 to 14 again. Jesus says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Look at what Jesus is saying. Jesus tells us to love the way he loved us. Wow, that's a lot. Jesus sacrificed a ton for us every day. And Jesus is saying he's not the only one who can love this way. We can too. Jesus commanded us and expects, expects us to. And then we're given the example of Jonathan and David. So it's possible. It's got to be possible. And that's the kind of friend that we're supposed to be. Jesus also says in that passage, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. That's the measure of love. That's the goal, the target for us as friends. Sometimes I don't hang out with my friends because I'm afraid I'll get home too late. I won't sacrifice sleep to be with my friends. And Jesus says, sacrifice all the way up to laying down my life for my friends. Let's read more of John 15, verse 15. Jesus says, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Look at that, they're not servants anymore. They're friends. Why? Because Jesus shared truth with them, no secrets. Sharing truth about God, about ourselves, is core to friendship. Following Jesus' commands and actions is core to friendship. Now, we see Jesus talk about loving each other a lot. And so we have to remember, we have to remind ourselves that love is about action, not feelings. It's about doing good for others and committing, promising to keep doing good for them. So if we take Jesus' command seriously, if we're really friends with Jesus, It'll show in how we love our friends. We'll love sacrificially. We'll love openly and honestly. We'll love generously. We'll love without reservation. Because that's what it looks like to be the friend of Jesus, to be the friend Jesus wants us to be. You know, when we read scripture, we see that surprisingly at the core of friendship is honesty and sacrifice. And sacrifice is the measurement, the metric of friendship. If the best love is laying down our life for our friend, we have to ask, where am I on that scale? Where do I stop sacrificing for a friend? Do I stop at inconvenience? Do I stop at annoyance or disagreement? I think most of us would say, yeah, I'd go back and I'd save my friend's life. But do we make time to grab coffee and listen when they're going through a painful divorce? 
when they're worried about finances or when they want to talk about something that hurt them a long time ago, again, for the fifth time. I have friends who've stopped sacrificing time to be with me because we disagree on stuff. And I don't think I'm the only one. But let's not do that. Again, unless they're a Dodgers fan. But the measurement of friendship is how willing we are to sacrifice. That's just true. It's uncomfortable, but it's true. You know, in Walnut Creek and San Ramon and Hayward, we're gathered in neighborhood churches this weekend. Uh, online church, we have chats and smaller groups regularly. And I know Brentwood and Livermore, you're going to gather in neighborhood churches this fall. When we do, let's start getting to know each other, connecting with people in neighborhood church. We don't have to start right off the bat by sacrificing our life. Sacrifice a little bit of time to initiate or build a friendship. Neighborhood church is a great place to begin that. It's an easy place to start moving towards the kind of friend we see described by Jesus. Let's follow the example of Jonathan and David and sacrifice time and energy and resource and self for our friends. Let's do it intentionally and regularly so we become that friend we were created to be. I know it sounds like a lot, but really committing to this kind of friendship, it feeds our soul, it gives us refreshment. Because when we start living our lives like this, we discover really quickly that our greatest fulfillment and joy comes from living a purposeful life. Jesus tells us this over and over again, that that's our purpose. The greatest command is to love others as Jesus loved us. And Jesus commanded us to do that. Because Jesus knows those friendships are what transform us. They make us more and more like him, little by little, day by day. Those friendships make us more like Jesus inside and out. That's what the church is supposed to look like. Can we do that? Can we look at our friends the way Jesus does? Can we promise to show love to our friends through sacrifice? Can we be the kind of friend Jesus created us to be, called us to be, commands us to be? It starts with a little sacrifice of time and effort. And Jesus uses that to change us and our friends. So let's get started being the friend Jesus wants us to be. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you are the greatest friend we could ever have. Help us to be that kind of friend to those around us. Help us to love our friends and to know that the willingness we have to sacrifice is how good of a friend we're being. Help us to evaluate that. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for your friendship and your love and you care for us. We pray this in your name, amen. Hey, wait, wait, before you go, three things. First, consider becoming one of Cornerstone Fellowship's financial partners. Uh, your donations will ensure that you'll be able to continue enjoying helpful and hopefully life-changing messages like the one you just watched. And then number two, please share the link to this message with anyone who you know needs it or will be blessed by it, or by posting the link to your own personal social media platforms, all of them. And finally, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and turn on the bell so you'll be alerted whenever we post more content. Thanks for watching.